Hello and welcome to another West March Guys podcast. I'm JT. I'm Joe. I'm John. I'm Sam. And I'm Allie. And we are Art of the Ramble taking over the West March Guys today. So yeah, today we have a couple guests. On, where, I mean, I think we're guests on their show or they're guests on our show. I don't know, whatever we want to do. I think we're just doing a co-op show and we're going to kind of break into a few of our players. I think you've heard from them before. We've taken over. Yeah. That's why I'm handcuffed. taking over. <laughs> Chad. oh how'd you get untied from the chair john <laughs> so we are nerds as everybody knows and uh, we <laughs> play a lot of DD, and we figured it would be an amazing way to bring in another podcast that a lot of us listen to by being or taking over on their podcast with ours for west march guys listeners um art of the ramble we go into a deep dive down a rabbit hole on a random topic obviously in this case we're going DD. For Art of the Ramble listeners, we are the West March guys. We talk about D&D in 5e form, usually specifically focused on the West March style of gameplay, which is playing with more than a table's worth of people at a time. So rotating cast of characters, if you will. Just kind of jumping in with um, a brief initial history. Um, Dungeons and Dragons was first published back in 1974. It uh, was originally three booklets shipped in a single cardboard box. Uh, the initial hand-assembled print run of 1,000 games sold out within 11 months. 1975, another set sold out in another six months, followed by a third printing of 2,000 that sold out before the uh, new year. It's first foreign language. It was printed in French in 1983. And uh, Wizards of the Coast began steps to purchase D&D in 1997 before they, in turn, were purchased by Hasbro two years later. As Joe said, we are now on the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons since. I know fifth is such a weird way of saying it because there's really like inter- like middle ones in there too because there's yeah, like there's, there's three point like, five yeah. and I mean to act like advanced a, second or whatever. Yeah, then you also have like this giant span that first edition hit, and then second edition was quickly shortly after, and it was like all the little brown books, and then it took like what twelve years for third. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot that John's been around almost as long as D&D. You're not wrong. I was going to say, he's our resident like expert in the other versions. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've played all of them except first. And first was really just, as you said, they mailed you everything you needed. Yeah, it was yeah three books. You, and yeah, that was pretty much. Uh, it was, yeah, it was the player's handbook, the DMG, and the monster manual. I have uh, some of the second edition monster manuals. And, and going from the, the new 5e editions to the first books is just. I mean, the new ones are feel like that you read like text, but the old ones are just straight up textbooks. Yep. I feel like they've gotten a little bit better since then. Like yeah, a little a, bit. A lot of better art too. Somebody who doesn't actually play D&D, even if you pick up one of these books and just flip through any of them, any of the new ones, I mean, the art itself is just fantastic. They really did a great job bringing it to life. One of the reasons I was excited to get the two of you onto our podcast is we are lucky enough to have two female players in our game, which some people don't even have any. I wanted to pick your brain on being a female D&D player. What about being a woman bring to the, bringing it to the table that you think would be otherwise missing? If it was Vagina. just boys. <laughs> <laughs> also boobs. Also boobs. But also, I feel like mostly because I've never really witnessed a D&D session with all with all male players because I have been playing, you know, almost as long as we've all been playing. 
there's like a, a different dynamic that happens when there's a female introduced. Like even if it's a female player playing a male character, it's still a different dynamic than all male, an all male cast. So at least for me, I noticed that there is a different level of complexity within the social construct to get really technical about it in a group that has both male and female players versus a, either a cast of all females or a cast of all males. Well, I think too, even like the change, like you, I feel like there's a difference like between where it's like just Allie or I playing versus like the both of us that, yeah, it kind of it just bring it brings in that different social element. Um, I don't play human like characters pretty much by default. It's the um, best. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's great. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a parent, I'm a cat, you know, so I think that kind of takes gender almost a little bit more out of it because I'm like, eh, well, I'm I'm an animal. I'm I'm not, I'm not a human, so what does it matter? But it's yeah, it definitely kind of brings in like a different vibe, I think. So I have a question. Like, have either of you ever played a male character? Yes. Lintu, my parrot, is a male, even if John forgets that five times a session. <laughs> Fair enough. Again, like you said, it's a parrot, so it's hard to like Yeah, yeah, he's he's a parrot, so you know, he's he's just there for the crackers. No, I have not played a male character yet. Something you've ever think about doing? Absolutely. Um, I find that, I mean, a lot of my characters are inspired by my experience in fantasy consumption. So books, movies, podcasts, web comics, that sort of thing. I have thought about playing a male character, but I have not yet done it yet. I find it funny because I completely assume that if you played a male character, it would be, what's that meme? So where it's just like, if a woman had a penis for a day. Oh, the yes. elephant like. Also, yeah. yes. <laughs> like I, feel like me, me, full, I, I feel like you would take full advantage. It would be a male and it would be a bard just so you could just, I'm sleeping with everything. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, if I did it, I've not yet played a bard. So I feel like that would be a good, that would be a good intro. Not a whole lot of bards in the West Marches at all, really. Yeah, There's no. There's not a good lot of bards ever. There's a bard. We have Thomas in the South and he's pretty fun, but bards are really. That's one. When he shows bottom, up. Well, bottom tier. I like bards. Talking about women in the, they're having females at the table. I'll at least say that South Marches makes it fun. I personally think it's great. Because it brings an emotional level to the table. I've had plenty of times where I have a table full of guys and you kill somebody important. And, oh, okay, moving on. (laughs) I've done something and watched people get up and leave the table because they can't handle it. It's great. We are sensitive souls. Also, we're not being evil bitches. Yeah, not being just random murderers yourselves. I have a tendency to get extremely emotional at the table. Um, That is because I sort of become that character for the time being when I'm playing. So if this scene happens to be particularly uh, provocative emotionally, it's almost like it's happening like to me, like as a person instead of me as a character. And I get very emotionally wrapped up in it. And I know that affects the table. So I know for a fact that at least me in my emotional chaos, I know that that affects the table. And I know that sometimes that's not always the case if I'm not there. So I, mean, I definitely get emotional at the table as well, though. Well, to be fair, on the other unemotional side, we can break both of you with a joke, and then it just kills you. <laughs> Fifteen <laughs> minutes of yeah, gameplay. Yeah. yeah, if you want to go get a drink, go to the bathroom. Yeah, you yeah, it's probably because one of us did something ridiculous, or you know, somebody said something, and yeah, now Allie and Sam are both like peeing themselves laughing. Um, and, and then it just like transfers over to everybody else at the table. 
yeah, that it just like the screen, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it all, especially playing online, it almost has that like different aspects because you're. It's like you're like watching it. You're in the conversation, but you're like watching it on. TV, like you know, kind yeah. of has a different aspect than if you were like sitting around the dining room table. Going back to like my parrot character, the the first time I was like, I'm going to eat crackers in character and just fling cracker crumbs everywhere. Just reckless cracker and eating. yeah, just reckless cracker crumbs all over the place. Like, I don't know if I would have had the same effect in person. It's yeah, I mean, have you played much in person? Sam? I have never. I <gasps> just bought my first set of dice. Wow. That's interesting oh. to think about. Oh it must be God. weird starting during a pandemic. It, I mean, I, I guess I didn't know anything different. My previous exposure to D&D was through the Adventure Zone podcast. And they are all, I think one is in Ohio, one is in Texas, and two really? of them are in West Virginia. Mm. So they have always played virtually. Wasn't so it's all you've really, ever seen? It's all you've ever been a part of? You know, yeah, it... Yeah, it was just kind of normal for me. So we're going to have to get you to play in person, Sam. Oh, I want to play in person soon. I will not be that DM. I do not want her first experience of wanting to throw dice at the DM. Beat me. <laughs> oh, I'll totally take that. I'm, I'm yeah, ready. for sure. I love it. Can't wait <laughs> that means you're doing it right if you get dice. <laughs> like, that, that's fair. <laughs> to be fair. That's also why they give us a DM screen. It's yeah, a it's a shield. It's not the head of roll. It's the hide behind. <laughs> it's true. So I know we kind of got into it a little bit when we were talking about you kind of bards and things. Um, for you guys, uh, do any of you have a favorite class? Wizard. Oh, you know, it's what a hard choice. What a, what a hard choice in general. You know, they all have things I love and things I hate. I've played a lot of different ones. So far, if I was to have to pick a class, I would say cleric. And it's not necessarily because it's my favorite, but because A, I love spellcasting and B, I love support. So if I have to pick one, I'd probably say cleric, but that's not definitely not my favorite because I can't pick because I'm playing oh, all the characters I've had, sorcerers I've had, and world. Oh, so good, so much fun, all of them. I love clerics. Uh, the, thanks because <laughs> my I play a rogue and I like playing a rogue, but rogues are one trick ponies. I don't care what you are. They're you know I hide, I move, I, I shoot, I hide, I move, I shoot. I like clerics. Clerics have it depends how you play your cleric because clerics have that. I keep the party alive. Like there's support, but they're like, you can play it the fun way. It's like, I'm, you know what I mean? Your, your life is in my hands. That That's the funner one. But I like cleric because I like the ability for divine intervention. There's 1% chance or 10% chance that I can change the world. Go like talk to gods, things like that. Just the ability of like high level things that you can do as cleric that isn't healing is fun. So I would have to side with Joe on this one. I think as a overall class i think wizard is my favorite and that's not just because i'm very any, emotionally attached to the parrot by any chance um, is that just because the kill count with that class or that player is just astronomical i plead the fifth that's um, why you play wizards that's why you play wizards it's because they are say, because they can just do everything so i would say though um my tabaxi Valfria probably is my the most well-rounded, I think, that I've heard. Because, you know, uh, two-thirds warlock, one-third rogue, uh, really leaning into, you know, cat-like qualities. But, you know, I have the healing. I have the, you know, the spells. I have the rogue, you know, some of the rogue abilities. I think it kind of, I think it's the most nicely balanced. I don't know if I... You talk about multi-classing, of course. Multi-classing, yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, if I, I don't know if I would have multi-classed Lintu if I thought about it sooner, but. Let Aaron talk to you for about five minutes and he'll convince oh, you. Oh God. Yeah. I'm not no. a big multi-classer personally. I like seeing what the, the ones, what you, cause I mean, yeah, if you play long enough and you can get all your characters to level 20, all aspects of them high level, then you have some good, but there's something to be said about just, because when you get, I mean, like Joe was saying, wizard, late level wizard spells, come on. I mean, multi-class, you, like, re- multi-class takes away the highest part of your class. Ex- so. Exactly. And and that's something that like, mm-hmm. yeah, some classes, it's not so big of a deal for fighters, this and that. But when you start getting into like sorcerers or wizards, bards, I mean, Monks. you can't, you can't beat wish spell. Yeah. Yeah. Can't beat well, it. It's it's also the idea of if you have a certain flavor of the character, because if you're gonna multi-class, it's jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. I, I can see why people multi-class, especially earlier on, especially for specific campaigns. But, but personally, also, I love the concept of like I love the dream of getting that those late level abilities. But it's also in terms of that's why they give us subclasses. So they don't so you don't have to like leave your own class. For those in the art of the ramble that might not know DD subclasses is if you're a rogue, you can choose what kind of rogue. I'm a rogue. I want to be an assassin. Or I want to be a thief. Or I want arcane to be, trickster. Yeah, or I want to be an arcane trickster. So those three versions of rogues is the assassin gets really cool damage. Like if I go first. It's uh, first damage. The thief is I'm really stealthy, so I can pick your pockets with a high percent chance. And the arcane trickster is I can cast spells. But again, you don't get the high level spells. No. Right. But a Max rogue can't five. do that period anyway, unless they're an arcane trickster. So yeah. that, that's yeah. the that's the rub. And it helps too. Oh yeah, you know, a rogue that can cast invisibility. Oh cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I've only multiclassed one character and I regret it because I was unable to obtain the level, you know, the highest level you can get with monk, or I think level 20 you get something ridiculous and I dipped one level into something and I can never get that level now. And that makes me upset. See, never in D&D is a matter of perspective. There, there's also wish spells fair. and <laughs> yeah. gods to talk to. And like, there's ways. As long as your DMs are willing to work with you. I don't know. I got to ask Joe. Yeah. I offered yeah. multiple times. Right now. Yeah. Ask Joe. He'll let you do it. Ask John. Mm, you're going to have to give up something. Thank you. All magic comes with a price. <laughs> What do you guys think about um when we play female characters oh it's so fun oh it's it's so amusing watching oh my you guys gosh, try it's so to fun. Uh... <laughs> my first character in dnd was female i remember that was z right oh yeah i love z i'm I'm glad i did it too i'm at least lucky enough that i don't have to like force any of my npcs to flirt with the female characters because two (laughs) of the pcs just flirt with each other so i'm all set there That's very entertaining for me. Oh, goodness. I'm going to find a female NPC in your world, and I'm going to flirt with her. (laughs) They'll all be assassins. It's so great. Oh, my God. Goals. Succubuses. Nope, they'll all be succubuses. Go ahead. Please flirt with them. It's fine. What a way to go. That's fair. Anyway, I, I, so I do think though, <laughs> on the topic of like the guys playing females. So like the Wednesday night West March guys streams. I am the only female at the table in a female dominated party. So having, yes, you know, yes, true. I've never played a female of the character. other guys playing female characters and at least one of them leaning into it really hard. Yeah. Um, she that's why. You know, yeah, Sheila is basically like, you know, Jersey Shore J-Wow. Love that. You know, just leaning so hard into it. 
I become like the more like toned down, you know, the more like toned down female character. I have to, <laughs> you, like, you're the, the mature. Yeah, I can just, yeah, I can just be more, you know, kind of casual about things. Cool. And it's, you know, I don't have to carry the like, well, you know, I'm the female voice of reason because, you know, it's. I was going to say, you say that he's the female JWoww or the male version of JWoww. I was hoping that you'd somehow pull off a Snooky. I could see it. I don't know why. Oh, God, no. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I've never played a female. I just, I think I would probably do the same thing if I'd sleep with everything. I'd flirt with everything. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, and do you, that you would change how you act versus playing a male character because you feel that you'd be able to flirt more? Depends on the character, honestly. Yeah, honestly, when I played a female, that didn't even cross my mind. Like, obviously. Any more than it would as a male mm-hmm. character. Personally. If you played a rogue, seduction and all that is a valuable tool. With the intention a, of trying to obtain information and stuff. Yeah. If you play yeah. a wizard, you could just be snooty and. I would totally play a wizard like a Karen. Oh man! Oh, oh my god! No, your character high elf so fast. Negative four to your charisma throw. <laughs> no, it's it's not a lot of wisdom. I think it's all intimidation. I'm Wait, sorry, but this Aaron? this this owner doesn't seem like he's really paying attention to our table at all. We should speak to the manager. <laughs> we should speak to the owner of this bar. <laughs> <laughs> You oh Zone of truth. Rooms. Were you ignoring us? No. <laughs> exactly. 100% wizard. Oh. Yes. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Prostitutation. This table is filthy. Look at this. Now it's clean. I love oh, my it. God. I really want you to play that character <laughs> so I can kill her. I know that it exists. <laughs> really want you there, to. There's my chronomancer. It'll be a female. A female. Oh, yeah, man. A, oh, I love it. I, I raised three kids. <laughs> kind of tangenting off of that what do you what does everyone think about romance in D? I don't know if it's really gone down that all that much i don't know lintu's has a very committed romance with like charcuterie that's that's really <laughs> about it lintu has a very committed romance with an orc currently sitting on a helicopter oh, no that that is true that he, him true. and him and olga do have a little bit of a bromance but yeah i mean other than cheese boards and murder He's uh pretty pretty open. He's Can not, I get that he's on not real committed. He's <laughs> boards and murder. Yeah, D D. That's kind of funny. There you go. Now you out of, not- out of context, go wear that in like a convenience store or something. Or like in the go or a wine shopping. shop. Well go yeah. grocery shopping while wearing that. Wear shirt. to a yeah. convention, yes. Okay. I'm I'm into so, it. I'm into it. I expect to cut West March guys when you when, yep, you, when you start doing cheese boards and murder shirt. <laughs> I love romance in dnd i don't know if i love romance between player characters or if i love romance between npcs and player characters mostly because i'm a hopeless romantic so i am going to find it wherever i go books movies role-playing games it doesn't matter i just i live i it like breathes life into me i love that stuff and that drives me as a role player even if it's like a romantic even if it's not romantic at all like i want relationships I want to know the bar owner. I want to take their kids out for cotton candy. Like I, you know, I want to romance the red. When have you ever took anybody's kids out for cotton candy? When have we ever encountered kids? Not fair, but. Kids are kind of something that's voided in D&D, I think, because of how many things die. To be honest, I never really thought about kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, the occasional you find a note in the guard you just killed. That's like a letter from his kid that morning. Have a good day at work, daddy. That's like the only reference to children you will get, mostly because of uh, kids are really like plot point 
I, that's how I view children as in a game. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, I think a little I girl walks up to you and goes, come with me. You're, yeah. However, yeah, or the, the creepy children I'm in the say, I used, gave us. I used, yeah, that was in, I used children in my game, I will say. Yeah, but like not in the sense of like, oh, this is a bar owner's like two-year-old daughter and she's like super cute on the bar. And like, I don't like, I've never encountered a character where I wanted to be like, oh my God. They're so cute. Like, I mean, for all you know, those creepy kids in the woods could have been a bar owner's two-year-old no, daughter. No, those creepy kids in the woods were horrific. So that's kind of my take on romance. I sort of force it, <laughs> I guess. I'm the one that has to deal with it. So, yeah. Also, Joe has to deal with it because Caruse is my favorite character. So <laughs> I if I this. don't find myself in Ingyao consistently, I'm going to be very upset. Say that's where Tula is going to retire. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. I just started doing more romance personally. I know Allie's played with me and done small bits, but mm-hmm. I think with Aaron in this online Westmark session, I've definitely dabbled more in the flirting with players as a DM, which is something that was um, definitely new to me, but something that I've enjoyed the dynamic it brings to the table for sure. And I'm definitely going to keep trying to keep that in my games because I feel like it adds more. And it's what honestly, and what really makes more matters more to me is it's what my players wanted so as long as they want it then i'm happy to do it because i think that's what makes it more fun i think the other part of it is like i don't know maybe this is just me because it's not just your characters flirting with your characters it's you flirting with your friends like getting over that like hum, like having that sort of separation i feel like can be a little jarring for some people like trying to get around the fact like oh i'm flirting with john or like oh i'm flirting with sam i'm gonna try that to fucking happens, character. Ever? i mean to be Y'all fair you do Colin. flirt with me all the time but i mean i do because i love you so i don't know maybe it's easier for me because that's who i am as a person but like i can see that being a little bit more difficult sort of getting over that hesitation at, as a role-playing game it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're going to go sleep with your friends, but like it's going to be one of those things that might be a little like weird, like squirrely a little bit in the beginning before you just get used to it. And to be fair, John, Val treats Call like Sam treats John. A little meta bleed through there. Oh, man. It's so true, though. <laughs> oh, hey, man. The best, uh, oh. best role play is based on real life experience, right? So let's yeah. That's what that explains. Xander and Liz just a little weirdly, but um. <laughs> so you have romance on that side. What do you feel of like not wanting to play with somebody at the table? Ooh. I want the caddy, like you know, like that side. You want us to be some caddy bitches. I have definitely stabbed characters I don't like. There has been a couple of instances with people at the table where, like, I don't particularly care for how they handle things, so I will attack them. But like, as a player or as a character? Like, as a player. <laughs> no, I, mean, no, I was waiting for that side. distinction of, like, <laughs> I totally threw a fork at Nick. <laughs> I don't even, honestly, it was a while ago because I don't play a lot of, like, really aggressive characters. Like, my first character was a drunken druid, and she had anger issues, so, like, I don't know. But she was a lot more willing to attack a party member which is something i don't i wouldn't normally think of if she didn't agree with something but sometimes i'm just like no no no, no you're getting stabbed i'm gonna roll the hit <laughs> i have seen two actual like characters get into an argument no this is how we're doing no but we have to save the world yeah but we don't gonna... it's the typical like paladin and rogue moment like that's mostly it trying to role play argument Yes. Yeah, I don't I mean I don't know if I've experienced that too much like you. I think we've just like any friend group, you eventually you 
you know, one of your friends is going to annoy you. That's just, and especially considering we've all been like, having been like in quarantine for a year and like, you know, all of our interactions have been, were online for so long, you kind of just gets tiresome after a while and you trying to not let that, you kind of bleed over. I think it has been to you at times a challenge. Fair enough. I know I personally always struggle with trying to argue in character. Oh, I get so heated. JT gets heated. (laughs) I definitely admit that there's a lot of bleed. I will argue (laughs) with certain characters and then just like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And then for like the next two hours off session, it's just like, I can't stand Bruce. Bruce, it would be something Bruce would do. Yeah. The names have been changed to save the innocent. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I have to step back sometimes while I'm playing, especially if I'm DM. I feel like if I'm a player, I'm more apt to argue. In character, it's definitely as a player, as, just, a DM, as a DM, I'll argue, but it's like I like it's funny. You don't want to get too mad, right? Like you got to like let the players do what they're going to do. Like yes. what they're doing is probably not that big of a deal. Yes, like I don't say I'm a yes man for as a DM, but it's like it's as long as it keeps the group happy and we're sure I'll allow it. Is like a lot of is like the the go to line. Yeah, I'll allow it this time. You know, think about this next time. Try to give them an ultimatum about you know how to not get into this argument again. Or, but yes, but. Yes, but but I, I try my best to do that. But yeah, no, I mean, definitely I've gotten heated. I've definitely gotten better now than I was when I started for sure. But um, I feel I find it happens sometimes. Picking on the captain, like I felt picked on for a second and had to remember, no, 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 they don't actually, they're not making fun of JT. They're trying oh, to get this captain. Oh, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about when you can't hit your players and they just goad your NPCs. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> I will physically come through this table yeah. and stab you. <laughs> That's part of it, though, man. Here's the thing is, if I'm getting in a heated argument over something that's happening in the game as a player, that's probably a good game. Yeah, that means that the role playing is like really convincing and you're like totally immersed in it. Yeah, really immersive. So so I think it kind of goes both. You kind of have to allow a little bit of it in order to feel it. Okay, I have a question. What was the moment that you guys were like, wow, I love DMing? I'll let you know when I find it. No, Ooh, I'm kidding. spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I'll start. No, um, pretty early on, really. I um, playing with Nick, the first Nick, and playing the local campaign with Joe. It was one of those. I want. It was more of a. I want this done a certain way, and I don't feel like I'm getting that this way. I should. If I'm going to have it done, I'm going to do it myself. So that's kind of where it kind of started. And I don't know. I never looked back. Nice. So sort of uh, you wanted the full control over the world. Yeah, I just I really wanted to see a session go where I wanted it to go. And now that I got the bug, it's like, okay, that's not that hard. I agree. It's it's a lot like, you know, it's it's a joke, but it's a lot like I could do this. I'm going to make my own and I'm going to make it better with blackjack and hookers. (laughs) For me, it's a couple of things. I like the long con. I think like if you attribute it to you're writing a movie and here's that one hook that took two and a half hours to, to get through. And if the audience just goes, you know, it's the Luke, I am your father moment. The lore hits the, you know, everything's wrapping up and just bang all together. Um, oh, it, it, okay. It's the, the, you know, the infamous sessions that everybody will remember. The children in a woods being creepy. You know what I mean? Just being able to write that kind of stuff. You mean the creepy children in the woods that ended up possessing me? See, for me, that's like a touch the bottom and push moment. (laughs) For me, it was the first time I got like everyone at the table to laugh. 
I don't, I don't have it specifically in my head, but it's every time that happens when I either everyone's dying or you can just see like smiles on people's faces. Cause for me, that's like, that means I'm succeeding and doing that is just like, yes, I need more of this. If I can cause this to happen like once a week, this is great. I don't know if it's the smiles for me, but it's the, when they're arguing with what they're going to do next. That to me is my favorite. <laughs> no, uh, well that too, arguing what they're going to do next or here's a puzzle and then watching them just go nuts and just spitball and talk about like, or like here is a piece of lore well what if it's and they're just conspiracy theorying that's the best just watching the wheels turn as a player i love that because then it's like that's the kind of stuff that gets you thinking about the game outside of the game i like that joe was saying like a a session that you know something happens and everybody erupts into laughter and then you're it's like two days later and you're at work and all of a sudden you bust out laughing because that memory comes burbling back to the surface and you're like oh yeah I can't wait to go back. Like, that's what I love about it. What's a movie that you guys have seen and you've gone, oh my God, this is a D&D setting. Or like, oh God, that's a natural 20 if I ever saw one. Like, I've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender again and the whole thing is a D&D campaign. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> it really is. I couldn't believe it. I watched through, I'm like, wow, that was, I wish I'd thought of this by, by players. I'm going to take the easy out to this answer and Avengers is honestly just... Uh... I'm sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy is just the Avengers playing (laughs) D&D. Oh, man. There's a wonderful meme for it. I will say that anything Hawkeye does is a natural 20. I love Hawkeye. It's just a rogue, you know, or a a ranger, you know, with plus 25 to hit on his arrow. Yeah, just the, (laughs) I'm going to shoot this at a very long, yeah. I rolled a two. That's a 27 to hit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you took up golfing. Well, played 18. Shot 18. Shot 18. Yeah. For me, a setting I've always wanted to try and use, which is not fantasy at all, is the like Futurama, like the world building that that show has and just like layers on top of layers with like the yep. old, old world and, you know, like, oh, like our current time versus like, like the Undercity. <laughs> yeah. Which is like yes. all the mutants and stuff. I don't, it's yep. just yep. every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh. That would be a cool one to do. There, there's a lot of like worlds like that too. I mean, there's plenty of Doctor Who that I want to go with a sci-fi twist and be like, ah, but it's futuristic. You would have to like purposely make it that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sci-fi and the D and D mechanics are tough to overlap. Yeah, find a different game at that point. Mm-hmm. While we're on the topic of uh, TV movies, I'll drop some drop some more fact bomb on you. Do um, it. So. John may be probably one of the only ones old enough to remember some of this. There was actually a Dungeons and Dragons animated series that ran for three seasons uh, from 1983 to 1985. To be fair, it ended when I was born, but I know it exists because I've I've watched it as a teenager. Um, In 2000, a feature film based on Dungeons and Dragons made its way to theaters featuring Jeremy Irons. Um, The big bad, yep. He was the voice of Scar in uh, Lion King, if I'm correct. Despite the game's popularity, the film had a $45 million budget, but was a major box office flop, uh, earning only a measly $33 million. It's, Ooh, a, wow. it's a legendary fail. Like, it's a cult Is it failure. good? See, I thought it was okay. The problem is is it does not reference D&D in many aspects. Like, everybody (laughs) wanted so many. Like, if you contributed it to, like, a Marvel movie right now, and you're just like, oh, my God, Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg, there's, like, three in the whole movie. Like, the only spell they actually, by name, is Feeble Mind. 
Maybe it? we need to do. And it's, our- and it's like in commentary where she's like, if I had to talk to you, I would just cast a feeble mind spell on myself, and that's it. Our uh, maybe as our like after dark mashup is we get drunk and, and watch the D and D movie. Like spells <laughs> happen, know. they do certain things, but it's really just following two rogues. And it was during a time where they tried making the plucky like comedy character, and it was Marlon Wayans, which was great, but it just didn't fit with like D and D. The, the setting that they were doing, but it was such bad acting. As never well. even like, heard of it. All of them. I've never the bad, heard like of Jeremy either. Irons is the bad guy was hilarious. Bruce Campbell, not Bruce Campbell, because that's Evil Dead. But the guy at the end that like just the things that you got to watch it. It's so bad. Sam, and your little thing is that you talked about the TV movie, like so that that is where I'm getting to. Um, that's so worse. In, <laughs> so this is yeah. So this is where we're going to take a, a dark turn for a second. In 1979, uh, James Angered the Third, uh, he was a 17 year old student at Michigan State University, um, disappeared after leaving a suicide note in his dorm room. And the private investigator, William Deere, his investigation largely theorized on Angert's involvement in D&D. The private investigator later wrote a book about the case, uh, which subsequently was used as the uh, basis for a 1982 made-for-TV film, Mazes and Monsters, featuring a Mr. Tom Hanks in his first leading film role. So that's the... Probably not one of the biggest highlights of his career. I was not thinking of that, but yes. Mazes oh, well. and monsters. Mazes and that just Come seems on. like, a, like a <laughs> that is so yeah. the generic D D like yeah. brand. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Was um, there a, a different movie that you were? There was a, so the D D movie that came out in two thousand didn't change. Is that what you said? So uh, the first movie was two thousand. The Tom Hanks one was nineteen eighty two. So there's a second D D movie. Like an actual, like, we're going to try to do this better. It was made for sci-fi, the sci-fi channel, which just says a lot about its budget. Oh, yeah. From the makers of Sharknado. Yeah. Love and it. It, it, it did get better on a lot of points. They did. It was almost fan service. They did what the first movie didn't do. But. There's another one that's being made right now, isn't yes, there? Yes, featuring oh. Mr. Uh, Roger Jean Page and uh, Chris Pine. So, Ooh, I'm in. for those of you who uh, are familiar with the Bridgerton phenomena, you know Mr. Roger Jean Page. Yeah, nope. Ooh, oh, I'm so Ooh. excited for that. Okay. I don't know if we'll see his butt again in a D&D movie, but I'm um, willing not. to hold out hope. Did you, uh, I don't know if I can, are we supposed to come on this and stump the stumpers? Miss, did you know that The Last Wind Hunter, the Vin Diesel movie? Yes, I actually. Based upon his D&D character. Yeah. Oh, I did not that know that was on my fact his list. Yep. He's actually um, one of a number of celebrities that have been identified themselves as being D&D players um, he was, among he was, them. He was one of the first. The, I think it's. 3.5 might have been fourth the book has uh the intro like the first notes as you open the page is by vin diesel and it's oh, and it's shit. him playing and it's about him playing dnd i knew he played but i didn't know that that movie was based on his character yep That's the last cool. the last winter movie is a movie based on vin diesel's character i want to go rewatch it now <laughs> uh yeah there's a bunch of people that play you know who more prominently plays who does a very other nerdy things henry cavill Oh, yes. Otherwise known as Superman. Oh, like, my God. Bless. He is the biggest nerd ever. He is such a treasure. It is amazing. He is definitely a treasure. Yes, sure. Also on that list, uh, Stephen Colbert, Robin Williams, rest in peace. Mike Myers, Nathan Fillion, Gerard Way, Carl Urban, and Will Wheaton. 
all also uh but we all know will will be well yeah he is like king of the nerds but oh and one of john's favorites felicia day yes amen to that just just bless her bless her (laughs) um the guild was a cool show but that is not dnd originally where she came from i guess if you gentlemen had to pick a favorite monster what would you go with not like your most like, if I want to kill my players, don't say leeches, y'all. <laughs> I know where that's going to go. They're not leeches, but that's close. It's funny because we did a whole episode on this. And if you want to listen to the West Coast guys talk about their favorite monsters in detail, check out in our detail. podcast. No, but I'll say the same one I said then. And it was more a genre overall, but it was dragons just in general because they are so versatile. There's so many different types. I haven't even touched the surface and there's a dragon for every level. This is an easy one for me. It's phase spiders. And for those who don't know D and D. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I know. Like, I, We're doing it. Out. Again. We're doing no, it. Not that long ago. They're basically just spiders, big spiders, like the size of you. So, you know, terrifying spiders. But that can, you know, blink out of existence and then reappear somewhere else. Yeah, if- nope. Don't love teleporting <laughs> invisible spiders. <laughs> Fuck no. I've always joked that that magmen are my favorite, depending on how you play them, because they're just balls of lava and they can just run up to you and they always just want to hug. They're like children. However, one of my favorites to play as a DM is uh, doppelgangers, doppelgangers and changelings, anything that can just like be something else, because it's just a bunch of intrigue and plot and things like that. Um, we keep going back to Marvel, but it, it's a scroll. It's the ability to be anybody else. Oh, man. You know, the, the guy that you've been talking to forever. Nope, not really him. Ooh. It's a good one. It's a good twist. Ooh, I was going to say, I love the plot twist in that. What about you guys? Any favorite monsters you like to fight so far? Something you've seen? Dinosaurs. Really? I, love, I just love dinosaurs in general. If you know me, you know that. You had, said, you had mentioned something about the yeah, chat. Sam I loves on. dinosaurs. So I don't know if I've mentioned this on, mentioned this even to any of you all outside of podcasts. So I have a theory about how the dinosaurs disappeared. Okay. Like the actual dinosaurs or D&D dinosaurs? Yeah. Oh, actual real dinosaurs is it lintu cast fireball martha yep. good guess good guess no no so this is a theory that i've had almost like 10 years now at that this point wow um, so this is where baked so it into is, your soul it, it's also how i think like the world is ultimately going to end this is like super tinfoil hat crazy conspiracy theory so what if there were dinosaurs and then like aliens from another planet came along and were like no we want these and they just like Scooped a bunch of them up and took them off to another planet to study them or whatever. But then, like, what if one day they're like, well, we're, we're done with these. And they just beam them all back. And you wake up one morning, JT, there's a triceratops out there fucking eating your garden. You're not going to know what to do. We would definitely not know what to do. Uh, uh, yeah. I think I would just shut my door it. and go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> would you shoot it? Yes. Yeah. I would, go, I would go. I would go farther but north. It's colder because, right? They're they're warm blooded, right? Fair. I mean, I'm smart mm-hmm. enough that I. This is a, for our understanding of dinosaurs are the dinosaurs that we know. And I triceratops is a herbivore. I will not shoot it. Give me one of those underwoods that I know is going to eat me. It's dead. <laughs> yeah, if you can kill it. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool theory, though. That would be crazy. Yeah, I've had that theory in somewhere. There was like a 10-year-old video of me on YouTube explaining that theory. So while they were doing this, do you think they took them all at once or little by little? I I haven't really flushed that out. Maybe it was little by little. Maybe maybe they send them back little by little. I don't know. So I'm just saying, because does that mean that like in the dinosaur world, there's others that are just the conspiracy theorists that people get abducted, UFOs are real. 
if they didn't take them all at once. Or the fact that when they bring them back, the dinosaurs like, I was abducted. John's fleshing out the new theories for his campaign. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, all the dinosaurs that come back would have been dinosaurs that were abducted. So they they would have all, you know, lived through that same experience. They would all know that the aliens were When then that point they'd still be a couple million years old then still? You think they're still alive on the on the the spaceship? Alien technology is out there, y'all. Fair enough. Ellie, what um, about you for favorite monster? Um, I would have to say, honestly, I'm not even sure I have one. I really? I've been playing long enough where, like, I think I've been up against a lot of the like big ones, the dragons, the beholders, the you know the seed creatures, whatever. I'm blanking on the name, but like, I really like monsters that make me think more than just point and shoot. Does that make sense? So like, are you talking about like intelligent monsters or like yeah. they have something else you have to kill them other than shooting at them? Yeah. So like, I like monsters that have, I don't know, tactical like, awareness or, or they have the component. ability to bring in other combatants that divert your attention from the main character, which it forces you to be more efficient with your action economy in terms of who do I take down first? The, the six one point guys or the one six point guy? Like, or yeah. minions in the DM in the DM world. Yeah. And it's something we've been talking about a lot more using between all of us. Uh-huh. It's all about action economy. When when you get into a battle, it's about mitigating how many actions each side of the team has. And like you said, when it's just one big bad person and everybody could just shoot it, it doesn't make anybody have to really save their attacks or anything if that makes sense. Right. So when you add a bunch of level one monsters in, it's suddenly now other people are attacking you, the other shit that has to die. On the other side of this favorite monster, but I'll diverse and say, what was your favorite kill? Like, what, throughout your characters, what is that one moment of, like, I killed that? I don't know. I've killed so many things. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, I killed a lot of things in my D&D life. Interesting. I don't have a... F- I could, I could probably pull up, like, half a dozen kills at this point because I love doing the, like, sharpshooter between the eyes or the, like, decapitation or I want to, like, go Indiana Jones. I want to plunge my fist into the heart of the monster, pull it out, and eat yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Like, like, you ran up the dragon's tail to just, you know, stab it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have one D&D moment that I think about sometimes, mostly from a writing perspective, but also like, you know, if I wasn't playing D&D, I would never have thought of this. My very first D&D character, Tosu, she's my drunken druid and I love her so much, was in the air as a bug because she was doing recon. And the cave came rushing out. Basically, something triggered the enemies in the cave to come rushing out. And she basically escaped out the out the cave entrance trans like dropped her wild shape midair and landed like a crater in the open field and cast spiked growth in front of the cave but it was just the cinematic like bug flying through the cave like dipping and dodging around the rocks and stuff as the enemies are coming rushing out and they're opening out into this field and she basically goes up and comes straight down like a crate and just creates this crater of landing in the ground and spike growth just erupts everywhere cool i think i was there for that yeah it was i think about that sometimes and sometimes i get like super excited about it because i'm like oh man i'm so that's that happened that was so cool no that was cool. That was fun. That was like one of the, yeah, neat stuff. Probably we were fighting. Undead, I think, if I remember if, it, if I can bug Joe correctly. Yeah, it was definitely undead. It was some wizards question mark. Yeah, it was like a horde of zombies and skeletons and whatnot. Yeah. That was it fun. Was, it was great. It's when Joe great. learned about pinch points. Yep. <laughs> yep. Kill who, who was I even playing then? Was I playing my gnome sorcerer? 
Yeah, because that was with Johnny. Oh no, that was with, that was um. That was with Nick's monk. Nick's monk. Yeah. Yeah, that was Dura. Right. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah, we're digging real deep for that information. Had to be four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. On the topic of action economy uh, and such, um, so one interesting fact that I found when I was doing my uh, my digging for this episode. So the third edition was released in two thousand. I don't know if this is still true. I assume I assume they would have fixed this. So in that edition, a house cat could perform several attacks per turn, potentially dealing you know, several points worth of damage, whereas a regular human uh, only had one to four hit points, meaning that it would have been completely feasible for a regular common house cat to kill a person with low hit points. Of your cat so, scratch fever? You know, yeah. uh, just think of that next time you're trying to sleep at night and your kitties are wandering around the house. Um, to be fair, uh, humans, that was a human wizard. Um, but yeah, there is a lot like that. Uh, I think there's bugs, mosquitoes and other things like that would do the same thing. 3.5 was so bad. It was fun. That was was Pathfinder, right? uh, No, Pathfinder stemmed. uh, Sorry. So she's talking about third edition 3.5. Yeah. 3.5 happened when they tried fixing a bunch of stuff, but really they just added a bunch of cooler stuff. Pathfinder derived from 3.5. I follow you. And then fourth edition was pretty much meant for roll 20 online. Uh, fourth edition was a card game. So third edition came out in 2000? 2000. When did second come out? 89. Sounds about right. Right after it was released. Not the first edition was released. No, so, so let's first edition talk, was let's 79. Just, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about 10 years, then 11 years, and then three, 3.5, and fourth came out all within the span of, I think, five to six. And then so, fifth, yeah, then so another 10 was years 2000, later. fifth was 2014. Fifth was 2014? Yeah, so 14 years. But Six yeah, in those 14 right around the years. Corner. It is. Oh, dude, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to be yeah, so pissed. Why? Because right so you bought all those books? Not just that, because I know this edition now. It's like literally you'd be learning something from scratch all over again. And uh, they added all these expansion packs and all this stuff. If they went to six soon, I'd be like, looks like I'm still playing fifth. <laughs> uh, so I do have it here. So third edition was 2000. 3.5 was 2003. Fourth edition was 2008. There was a fourth edition Essentials, which I don't know because I stopped playing in fourth. But then fifth edition was 2014. So yeah, it got really quicker. And they're, you know, Wizards of the Coast is just like, if we change things every three months, we can make more money. Give it. Now they just do expansions and yep. like new books. Yep. And the rest of us nerds are like, well, damn, I need it. So <laughs> I just want to look at the pretty picture. Yeah. I guess uh, wrapping up, um, let's do a quick round. Favorite D&D moment. So as a DM, as a player. <laughs> Don't everybody go at once. I well, I, I think I have mine. So I think my favorite DMD moment is when I was when I was playing as a player, my wizard, and I dimension doored with Allie's monk onto the back of a dragon. Right. And then that's how Arthur got the name Dragon Slayer. I can't even think of favorite moment. There's so many. That one always sticks out to me as a player, at least. DM, I don't know. There's so many. Okay, mine's a little. I'm gonna be a little long. Mine was back in second edition. Well, maybe, yeah, I think it was second. I was like a teenager, we'll say that, playing the game. <laughs> and I played a fighter because they were big stocky. You got to hit a lot of things. And cool things back in the day was you got to hit things. And if you killed it, you got to move on. And you killed that, you got to move on. Like, you know, certain things were great. But all I did throughout two years of playing is they gave me a, uh, RDM gave everybody a uh, bag of holding cut out, you know, cuts out all your, your weight and all the rest. I put 
everything I could find in that bag of holding that was pointy and sharp. I then proceeded to put any form of booze or gasoline or petrol or anything explosive that we found on our adventures in the bag of holding. And we got to the final end game boss of like the big castle in the sky and things like that. And I just cast fireball into the, or I had something, or I dropped a torch into the bag of holding and it just went boom. And like, we didn't even fight the last boss. The DM was just like, how much stuff do you have? And I had like nine pages worth of stuff. Oh shit. And it was just like, what happened? Bob. And, and he, he just, he turned it into a nuke. He was just like, well, fight's over. You were all dead. Things like that. <laughs> but obviously back in that day, like you did that thing in the name of your God. Like I did because I worshiped the fire God. I did it in the name of the God and I became like the avatar of that God, uh, which was cool. Like, so you know, you come oh, back down, you so have, cool. you mean, you're level 20, you have crazy stats, things like we were all avatars at one point. Like one of them was the avatar of uh, Mistra, dark or cleric, but that was the DM's wife. And so weird when you're playing with the DM's wife. <laughs> Rude. I, um, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to think of a few. I'm sure there's plenty of fun ones, but just when um, Tito, my rogue, my arcane wizard, got high enough level, you could pick spells from anywhere as long as it's third and lower. So we picked Counterspell, and during one of the big Baylor fights, there's about to be a big, and I just snuck up right next to him. So right when he was about to do one of his big spells, I was like, uh, Counterspell! <laughs> I feel like that's a go-to, like, awesome moment. Like, there's so many of those, like, clips from... <laughs> Critical role and things like that, or whatever they are. All the differences, like cast counterspell. What level? Level nine. Well, yeah. at the time, I only could do three, but I rolled for it and passed. It. No, and then I died because he saw me, and then that was the end of that. But what about what about you, girls? What's your favorite D and D moment? I would say one of my most memorable so far was when you sent us to the the blacksmith's house or whatever, and I my parent hid inside the house. Or behind oh. the wall to cast his spells. <laughs> and then I said, hmm, that guy had that bear trap sitting in the doorway. And I used catapults to launch it over the wall. And then went and collected it back up. And have been carrying it around with me ever since. I'm waiting for the day. So yeah, at the this point, just- I have a little, like a keychain size bear trap uh, that I'm holding around with me everywhere. Just waiting to... Uh, launch it onto some unsuspecting baddie. Just yeah, to that, to shrunken, yeah. Yes, yeah, it is shrunken down. Because, you know, gotta have it for easy transport. You have a bear um, trap grenade. <laughs> yeah, basically. I've thought about using it a few times, but ev- so, so far, every time I have, somebody else has killed the thing that I was going to launch it at just before I could do it. Really? Like, somebody else killed something in that game? You didn't kill it? No. I find that suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Allie? I think one of the most comical ones that I think of, it wasn't comical in the moment because I was very stressed out because I don't often fight one-on-one. It was with Lysandra. Lysandra is a rogue, and I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm consistently unfamiliar with the class, but I forgot all of the rogue statistics. I forgot all of the things that a rogue does, and it's me and another... NPC that I'm combating with in close combat. This was the doppelganger. Yeah, the doppelganger fight. And I'm just running around the room. Like, (laughs) I'm just throwing things and running and hiding because I don't remember that I have... It's not evasion. It's... What's the other one that takes half damage? Uncanny dodge. Uncanny Uncanny dodge. dodge. Thank you. So, 
I see even now, I don't even remember that I have it because I never think of it. And literally I'm just taking damage and I win by a scrap. And afterwards I'm like looking through my character sheet and I was like, wow, I had like six things to help me with that fight. And I was just running around the room like a lunatic, like (laughs) on top of a giant list of poisons. Yep. And I was just, yeah, I had so many things in my kit that I could have used and that could have been a baller fight. But really me as a player was just panicking the whole time and just consistently running around this tiny room. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're the person with no backup. Yeah, no, it was just, uh, it's fun. it was not funny in the t- in the moment because I was like, am I going to die in this room by myself to this go- doppelganger? Like, this might be where I die. And then I ended up winning by like, you know, a hair's breadth. So like, afterwards, I was looking through my page. And I was like, oh, Uncanny Dodge. Oh, I have all these poisons. Like, oh, man, I have so many things I could have used. Like, maybe if I had just paid attention to the fact that I'm a rogue, I guess I could have done better. But I feel uh, well, like sometimes it's those moments where you like forget that you can do X, Y, and Z and yeah. do something totally like off the wall that you're like, because oh, your okay. brain is like, like cranking so fast. Oh yeah, I, I, have, like, I get total stuff. lizard brain sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank this is great. you, guys. No, no, thank fun. you. Good to get an outside perspective. Yeah, Yeah, this was so fun, and I am completely and 100% into the whole idea of doing a West March Guys Art of the Ramble after dark. So let's, let's do it. That. <laughs> the topics that we couldn't talk about today. <laughs> We're going to make it, you know, like, we'll like get ourselves but... in one room and, and just That is a great and... idea. It'll be easier to stream it if we're all in one room. So for Art of the Ramble listeners, please check out the West March guys. They have a ton of information in regards to D&D. They're amazing, and we love listening to them. And so please go show them some love. And for the West March guys listeners... Please check out Art of the Ramble. I mean, you guys cover pretty much everything, right? Yeah. Pretty much everything and anything. If you have an idea, uh, hit us up. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. guys